Hello, and welcome back for another Toasted Tale with me, Jim. I'm really happy you decided to join me today for another Toasted Tale around the fireside. If, like me, you enjoy hearing stories, then you've come to the right place. I think there's interesting stories to be heard about every subject. All you've got to do is hunt them out and share them. In this podcast, we're going to take a random subject and use it as a seed to do some research for one short hour, and in that time I'll do my best to find a story within that I and you will hopefully find enjoyable. So let's bring in the tail randomizer to find out what today's subject will be. Okay, so today it's landed on the effective rate of protection. Right, so, um, just for clarity, I'm not an expert on the effective rate of protection, and before today, I hadn't even heard of it. So, I'm quite interested to learn a bit more about this and see what stories we can pull out. Now, so as not to keep you guys waiting around, I've already done the one hour's research, and with the power of podcast editing and the fireside, let's get into the effective rate of protection. Firstly, though... I want to talk about competition in the marketplace. They say that knowledge is power, and this is prevalent in business where competition for shares of markets and the attempts to part the money from consumers' wallets is ferocious. Something that is important in business is also margin, though, and also protection. How much money can a business afford to waste and still be profitable? How effective does it need to be? It's so important that sometimes businesses base whole models of the way they do things on these metrics. The effective rate of protection was a formula first worked on by Clarence Barber, and then developed and evolved further by Max Corden, to better equip businesses and organisations to deal with tariffs that different countries apply to one another. Now quickly, tariffs are a sort of tax that is applied to a specific imported good at the border of a given country. They've been typically used historically as a tool for governments to collect revenues, but they're also a way for a country to protect its domestic industry and production. It means that Maybe small businesses in their country don't have to worry as much about foreign giant conglomerates coming in and swallowing the market share. Gives them more of a fighting chance. As a thought exercise, theoretically, if the UK applied tariffs on all products coming into the country, that would make it more expensive for people in the country to buy these foreign goods. And so, hopefully, the people of this country would have a greater incentive to buy products produced domestically within this country, therefore boosting the industry of the country, and maybe encouraging fledgling businesses that may not have been able to yet compete with the giants of the industry from outside their borders yet. Tariffs have fallen out of favour. This is often because, as a tool, it's used for when things aren't going particularly well. So if you're in an economic dip in your country, it might be tempting to use tariffs to boost revenue 
and spark new businesses to start within your borders. What's been found, however, is that tariffs can often have an opposite effect. Whereas the hope is they'll be positive, they can sometimes make things worse. An attempt at this can be seen during the US's attempt to strengthen its economy during the Great Depression. Congress passed the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act, which increased tariffs on farm products and manufactured goods. Now, in response to that, other countries, who were also suffering at this time, had to raise their own tariffs on US goods. It became a form of escalation, and so it brought global trade to a standstill, and in doing so made the Great Depression even worse. So where does the effective rate of protection come in? Well, this is one of the ways that an individual or business can better prepare themselves for these kinds of tariffs. Let's explain first what the effective rate of protection is, and then we'll see how that impacts us in our lives. Let's imagine first that there are two manufacturers of computers. One of them is from your country, and let's make one up on the spot, let's call it Jingabe, and the other is from a different country. Now, in order to make a profit, in simple terms, you need the amount it costs to make the product to be less than the amount you can sell it for. In an agreement where all countries have free trade policies, both competitors can sell their computers in Jingabe for £1,000. The components of the computers and the assembly all add up to the same, and both can sell for a profit. This is even taking into consideration that the foreign computer maker imports the components for their computer, and has them assembled in Jingabe ready for them to be sold. Now assume that Jingabe wants to support its country's manufacturers and puts a tariff on all computer components of 10%. This is not good news for our foreign computer maker, as now it costs 10% more to get their computer ready and to sell it in Jingabe. This additional cost would probably be passed on to the consumer, and so the foreign competitor would have to raise their prices to £1,100 for the same computer. The domestic computer maker now has a decision to make. Should they sell the comparable product for less than their competitor in order to undercut them and get more customers? Well, maybe, but it's not that simple. Your competitor will still want to sell the product in your country, and now that it's a bit more expensive, it'll have its fond customers who will only buy from that competitor, and so now your competitor's making more money per machine. And also, people on the market may ask, why is this product more expensive than the other? Is it of a higher quality, maybe? Has the domestic producer been giving us lower quality parts? It's complicated, and if previously you were doing well with the arrangement of having your competition selling a similar product for a similar price, then your shareholders or the people who are at the top of your company will be wondering why they are now missing out on a 10% additional rise in revenue for this particular product. Either way, the domestic company now has to accept that they have a £100 or 10% per computer effective rate of protection. This means that they could technically be 10% less efficient in their production, 
making them at a slower rate, so as that the cost of production would go up by 10%, and then they could still be on par with their competition. This of course gives them options, they can undercut the competition, they can raise their prices and no one will really bat an eyelid, or if they really wanted to be, they could choose to be less efficient, and maybe offer their workers one day off every 10 days, for example. They could do this, and it would still match their competitors' offering. It's effectively the marginal advantage or disadvantage between competitors from differing nations following price rises or reductions created artificially by tariffs applied to goods. Wowza, that was a bit of a mouthful. It's funny, while I was doing the research and in the recording of this podcast, I was trying to think of a way that the effective rate of protection directly impacts our lives, and something I could kind of point to and go, hey, you see that there? That's that's the effective rate of protection. And I'm not going to lie, it was quite difficult to draw a narrative out of quite a stuffy economics formula, really. But while I was doing the research, I was struck by how the idea of a rate of protection impacts behaviours and how if you change a few key metrics in this discussion, then it can really relate to things I think we all go through. What I eventually began thinking of was when I've had deadlines in the past. I've been given a week, for example, to complete a report. And you set up your working strategy. How are you going to take on this work? How are you going to break it down to meet that end goal that's been set for you, the deadline? And I've had this before where I've been merrily going on my way, getting it sorted, biting one mouthful of the elephant at a time, and then you'll get a message from your manager or from the person who's organised the project, and they'll say, oh no, wait, we, we, you've got a bit more time now, you've got an extra two or three days. Now, the smart person in that case would still work to the same deadline and get it done within the week and have that extra time just in case, just in case something happens. But I have found in myself that when I'm given an extra time, I make the work fit that elongated space. And even though it's quite illogical, I subconsciously ensure that the work becomes this bigger thing that fills the time and space that is given. And so like the two companies in the example earlier, uh, the one that has now effectively got a buffer, a margin of 10% due to tariffs being put on other companies from different countries. If I'm given more time, in this situation I'm playing both companies. I'm playing on one hand the company who has been given the tariff and then has to adjust their business model, or in my situation, my work schedule, to still hit the desired goals, which for the company is to sell their product for a profit, so they have to up their prices, and for me it would be to organise my work in a way where the job gets done on time. And then on the other hand, I'm also playing the company that has now got this advantage, where they have got a 10% margin. 
So in their case, if they were really smart, they would still keep to the same budget, and they would then either decide to undercut their competition, pricing their products at a more attractive sales point, or matching the new price that the foreign company provides their products at, so as to earn extra money per product. And for me, of course, it's I could either do the work at the same rate, get it done earlier, less stress, have a little bit more margin. Or I could even use the extra days and make an even better report. Put those days to good use. What I'd love to know, if I had the research, and the question that's been rattling around in my head is that do people use the extra time to make a better report or a better product? Or do they fill the additional margin they've got with not necessarily higher quality, but just more of what they were going to do anyway? I don't have the answer in front of me, but I would like to know, and if anyone does know out there of any studies like that, then linking to me would be great. Economics can feel like quite a dry subject sometimes, but it is effectively the study of people through their choices with money. And so I am always surprised by learning about economics because you can link them to human behaviour. And I think human behaviour is one of the most fascinating things because it really does move the world round. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today around the fireside. When the subject randomizer comes up with something like the effective rate of protection, on one hand my mind goes, oh god, how am I going to find a story or anything interesting about this? And on the other hand I'm like, well this is the whole point of this sort of podcast, isn't it? To gather people round a fire on a podcast and talk about subjects that I know I probably wouldn't, but also for anyone listening, probably would never have heard of and wouldn't be interested in putting in the time to learn about it either, because... In all honesty, who's who's going to go learning about very obscure economic formulas for tariffs <laughs> if they don't have to? But I've enjoyed learning about that because it was able to connect a little bit to me in you know, human behaviour and margin and making choices in life about what works best for you given what you want to achieve in life. So I really appreciate you spending the time with me. As I was able to do some research into effective rate of protection and try and find something interesting about it as well. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, then there's a way of getting up-to-date news about us. If you follow us on Twitter at Podcast Tale, then that's where I put up all new episodes and also any other news that I feel like sharing. You can also follow us on all popular podcasting apps. So follow me at Podcast Tale for more. If you would like to join me again for another story around the fireside, then I'll be back here every Tuesday and Thursday. Your company will of course be greatly welcomed. I hope you have a lovely rest of day, and I will speak to you again soon for another toasted tale by the fireside.